this is Brittany, and I'm here with Mackenzie, and you're listening to Rising Radiant Podcast. Today, we launch our brand new series titled The Value of Intimacy. We're so excited to be hosting Mo Isom, who is a New York Times bestseller and amazing speaker, wife, mom, and leader in the kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. We are back with Mo Isom today. Mo, good morning, good afternoon. I know you're a time zone ahead of us. We're so excited to have you again on Rising Radiant. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, this is a pleasure, you guys. I was so excited when you reached back out. I loved our first conversation, and I am really looking forward to chatting again. I know. For everybody listening, we had Mo back when we first started on one of our first series um, with Rising Radiant, and she blessed us so much. But Mo has such a mantle on her life for restoration, redemption, identity, purpose, intimacy with the Lord. And so as Brittany and I were starting off this new series, the Lord highlighted you right away. And we wanted to reach out. We were thinking we have to have Mo share some of her story. This is what my heart really beats for. And I feel like it's wonderful because intimacy with the Lord is a conversation that every single believer needs to consistently be having, cultivating. There's no exemption from this layer of our walk, right? This is... This is actually the gospel above all. The gospel is, I think so much of Matthew 7, 21 through 23, where it says, you know, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my father. On that day, many will say to me, well, did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not cast demons? But to them, I will say away from me. I never knew you. Mm. And that word knew, the Hebrew, the idiom used there, it's, It's the same version of the word used through the text when it comes to sexual intimacy, when it comes to the deepest, most intimate, most transformative, vulnerable type of intimacy. That is the wording used in that passage in Matthew. And I'm like, when I discovered that, I'm like, wow. So really the whole of the gospel ultimately centers around this intimacy with Jesus. Cause these people aren't non-believers. These are believers saying, wait, 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 what about our good works? You know, didn't you see that we did da, 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 da. -da." And he's like, great, but you missed me. Mm. And I'm like, so this means really, no matter if someone's a missionary out internationally, if they're a stay at home mom, if they're serving in the church, if they're in the marketplace, I mean, all of us at every season of maturity, age, faith, the call is to the heart of God and to know him and to be known by him. And so I love this topic um, because it doesn't, there's no expiration date, right? It's never out of season to talk about intimacy with the Lord. No, it's so true. And I feel like it's so timely. My husband and I were literally just talking about this the other day of how we live in a culture that tells us, you know, the busier you are, the more productive you are, the more successful you are. And I said, it's just so crazy that culture puts so much pressure on us. And it's like, we get so busy doing all these good things that we miss out on the best things that God has for us, which is to just sit and be still and spend time with him and really get to know him. And I was reading a little devotional to my daughter this morning and, and we were just talking about like, you know, intimacy with God, which I was like, how funny we're talking about this today. And her devotion was about intimacy, 
with the Lord, but we just talked about like, you know, how do you get to know a friend? Like you get to know them by spending time with them, by talking to them, by spending quality time and really getting to know their likes, their dislikes. And as believers, oftentimes we allow the busyness of the world around us to stop us from getting back to what truly matters. So this is super powerful to be talking about this. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I've travel and um, minister kind of all over different demographics, different age ranges. And yet the, the expression I hear most frequently, no matter where I am or who I'm sort of ministering to one of the, the primary questions I get is like, how do, how do you make time for God? How do I make time for God? How do I fit in this intimacy, like into my day? And it really is a reflection across the board just during this, this weekend, this past weekend to middle schoolers and high schoolers. And the question was the same. I mean, and we talked about taking an inventory of our day. What are the demands? What does it look like? And it really is, you know, no respecter of season of life or age. Our culture facilitates a jam packed schedule. Yeah. And yet when we look at the scriptures, I, I always come to the, the passage with Martha and Mary when, when Jesus has come into their home and, you know, Martha gets such a bad rap. I, I love Martha. Mar- Martha earnestly desired to serve the Lord. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. We sometimes villainize her, but the reality is that she's us a lot of times. She's earnestly desiring to do well and good things, right? But in this passage, it just struck me when she asks Jesus to rebuke Mary, because Mary is just sitting at his feet, receiving from him. Wow. He's very kind and he's very tender with Martha, but essentially what he says is Martha, you're so worried about so many things, but if there's anything for you to concern yourself with, let it be this, because what Mary has found cannot be taken from her. Mm. And I just sat there and thought, man, Jesus is actually, telling us to, to worry about something. And that's not, how am I going to fit in God into my day? It's how am I going to fit the rest of my day into the time (laughs) I have left after being at his feet, right? After prioritizing him first. And the value in that is what he says is what you find there, what you're going to receive in the hidden place, what you're going to receive in prayer, what you're going to receive in the word of God that can't be taken from you. So your job title, you're striving so hard for can be taken in a moment. Your, you know, health, your fitness, the sports career, whatever it is, I see, especially kids striving after these things, you know, all of that, anything of this world in a moment can be taken, Hmm. but the time spent in the presence of God and what he imparts and deposits into our heart that can't be taken. It it literally can't be taken. It's the wisdom that we're to pray for in the word. It's the life and life abundant spiritually. Mm. It's, it's encountering and knowing him. And so come what may in life, you can't strip that for me because that word is written on my heart. And so I just find that, you know, so beautiful in that passage that he's saying, Hey, you're, you're asking the wrong question. Like we're asking the wrong question when we say, how can I fit God into my day? Really? We should be saying like, what do I need to stop and quit? And, you know, so that the priority of my intimacy with God and the things of value that can't be taken from me aren't missed. Wow. So true. 
That's so powerful. And I think you talk about this so much in your book, but just how we're so quick to run to the world, you know, before it comes, before everything else, before we prioritize intimacy. And you talk about in your book, it's intimacy with him where purpose is conceived, joy is conceived, love is conceived. And it's when we hear from him is when our, is where our identity shifts. And so the irony is that, you know, we're so quick to run to the world, but really it's in this place of intimacy that we become, you know, fully known. We start to understand our purpose. I wanted you to dive a little bit into that of just kind of like that whole idea that you charge people with of just being fully known with God. That revelation is so powerful in your book. And I just think so timely in the middle of a pandemic and people are so discouraged, so weary, so burnt out and feeling like they need to run to the world to get everything that they need right now. Yeah, it's kind of the, the interesting upside down way of the kingdom in that when we're prioritizing time in his presence and when we're trusting and living by faith, it is actually in that, in that unseen place that we find the things that we're striving for, the purpose, the identity, the safety, the comfort. But the reality is that to discover that purpose, that identity, that safety, that comfortable, that comfort, it's not always comfortable. I think so much of um, in the scriptures when, uh, oh, I'm totally going to blank, edit me here uh, to save timing. Whose name? Jacob. When Jacob encounters Jesus in the wilderness and wrestles with him, he's alone in that space. He's movement, like his his group is in motion, but in that moment, he's found alone. So he's on mission. He's living life, right? Just like we are. But there are seasons, there are times, there are sort of these rhythms where we find ourselves alone with God. And when he was alone is when he began to wrestle with God. And mm -hmm. in that wrestling match is where his identity was changed. His name was changed from Jacob, which meant the deceiver, to Israel, which means one who strives with God. And I'm like, man, so what we see there is mm -hmm. not a, a comfortable sit down kumbaya moment that's going to feel great all the time, but it was a wrestling match with purpose and what it produced was power. It, it it, it shifted the trajectory of Jacob's life. And when we will find our way into the hidden place, it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to be an intimacy that is um, <laughs> layered yeah. and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And he's going to address our wounds. He's going to address our sin. He's going to address all the stuff that when we run to the world, we're actually running from, if we're being honest, he's going to address our heart. Mm. Yet allowing that, you know, ability and that involvement in that space, that tangling up and that wrestling, that's where we receive breakthrough. That's yeah. where we receive the beauty of what, you know, intimacy really concedes. That's where our passion and our fire is lit. That's where we find our purpose and where we know that he's a God who loves us and who stays and who sees us and who is willing to wrestle, not to shame us, but yeah. to literally transform us.
And, you know, if you, if you kind of equate this to the picture of physical intimacy that we understand, the hidden place for a married couple is one where true vulnerability, you see me as I am. Listen, me and my husband have been married for seven years and had four kids in seven years. In a drastically short amount of time, my body looks drastically different than it did when we first got married. So I find myself a lot of the times like, oh, to get to the hidden place, there's shame there. And I want to cut off the lights and dive under the covers. And it's like not be seen, right? That's kind of our reflex, but that's the very place that our love for one another, my husband draws near and he, he delights in the intricacies of who I am and the, the story that's told really through my, through my body or through my life. And his love is, it, it multiplies there. I'm yeah. like, if we live in the shame. Let me just chase what's flashy on the surface. Let me just run after the world. Let me just seek the safety of the world rather than having to live by faith. Let me just run to the resources that tell me I'm beautiful and enough and, you know, need nothing and, and all this stuff. Let me just run after what tickles my ears and what feels good. Yeah. Then it's like chasing lust rather mm-hmm. than finding love in that vulnerable, hidden wrestling place. Yeah. But that's the love that changes us. And my husband's love for me can't heal my stretch marks, but it changes my heart that yeah. even as he finds me like that, he still desires me. And this is how the Lord loves us. Just as he finds us, he, he delights and he desires to meet us in that place. So our hearts would be changed. Uh, it's way more work than the easy, satisfying, quick fix of the world, yeah. but it's way less striving and a lot more resting in his presence and it's worth it. Yeah. So good. No, it's so beautiful. And I just think too, it's, you know, it's like where there's the greatest amount of breakthrough or where there's the greatest amount of blessing is where we oftentimes face the most opposition. And it's like, I know in my own life and Ken's and I were talking about this this morning, as I said, man, I know at the beginning of my years, I'm always like, oh man, I'm starting first thing in the morning with seeking the Lord and nothing's going to get in the way of it. And then by the end of the year, somehow all of these things have crowded in and somehow all of these pressures have overwhelmed me that I'm like, how did I forget again to allow Jesus to be the first thing? And, you know, this, this year, my husband and I, you know, we wrote out all of our new year's resolutions. And I just said, I just don't want this to be a resolution anymore. I want this to be something that stays consistent, no matter what life throws at us and no matter what the you know, what the good things are, you know, the enemy makes feel so much bigger and better than seeking time with the Lord. And, you know, you're so right. It's like in that place of intimacy with Jesus is where we are transformed. It's where we become more Christ-like and it's where, you know, the Lord is able to get rid of the bad fruit in our life and start building and growing new, good, healthy fruit in us. And it's like, man, it's no wonder that the enemy put so much opposition at us. And I think, you know, and we've talked about this a lot of like, I think as believers, the enemy won't tempt us maybe necessarily with like these evil temptations of the world. Cause he's like, well, I can't get you that way. So instead yeah. he's like, Hey, well, look at all these good things you have. You've got another speaking yeah. engagement and you've got this other opportunity to make money for your family. And you've got, you know, this daughter that you've got to, you know, spend time with and play with and, you know, take to and from school and all these things. And they're, we're busied with things that are really good. But Mm -hmm. in that it's like, and I noticed for myself, and I am sure you both could attest to this, but I know for myself, when I allow myself to get busied with the good things without Mm -hmm. first seeking the Lord, I get so drained, so worn down. My fuse is so much shorter 
the fruit of the Holy spirit is not as present as I want it to be. You know, I mean, it's just, it's hard because it's like, man, I feel I am, I don't feel I am disconnected from my life source, you know? And so it's just so important that we don't allow ourselves to get that disconnection. Well, first off, I would commend you that you make it to the end of the year before you realize that those guys are <laughs> in big shape because I make it to the end of a week and I'm like, yeah. oh, I swore on Monday that I would X, Y, and Z. <laughs> I, uh, I recently, my friend Jeff was talking about this uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, and we implemented this type of shift in our home and really it implemented a huge shift in my heart. But he was talking about the difference between goals or resolutions and formations. And so when we set a goal or we make a resolution, right, we are making this, we're, we're aspiring to hit this certain point. That's the goal. And if we stumble or if we fail or if we fall short of that, it's like, oh man, it's all a wash because I didn't you know, reach that goal. I didn't achieve that, you know, one thing. And really he was like, the, the reality is that this can create such a roller coaster rides in our walk. And it's not super reflective even of healthy relationship because I'll tell you what, every time I've said to myself, okay, Mo, I don't, I don't want to be short tempered with my kids anymore. I don't want to be, I'm no longer going to do X, Y, or Z. I'm no longer going to, you know, lose my, lose my temper. Then the next time I lose my temper, I feel like an utter failure because I'm like, I said, I would never do that. Right. But what Jeff talked about and what we started to implement in our lives and our family and just changed me was like, really the heart of the gospel is about formation. Because when we focus on formations more so and being formed more so than I want to achieve, you know, this goal, or I'm never going to do X, Y, or Z, then formations welcome us into the process and they welcome us into sometimes the failures and the beautiful steps forward of successes. We give ourselves grace and patience in the process. And that's really what relationship with one another. And for me, what my relationship with Jesus looks like is this beautiful, formative, imperfect, but hungry and yearning to be perfected type posture. And at the end of the year, I'm able to look back and say, man, the formation I really wanted to grow in was being someone who hungered for the word because it's good for me. It's my life source, right? And man, I didn't, I didn't check the box every day, but I will tell you, you know, looking back on this year, I did grow in, you know, how much I delighted in the word and how frequently I was in the word. And that's sanctification, right? That's the long-term process. And that's really what relationship produces. We fall deeper and deeper in love. We're made more and more into the image of our maker. Mm. We are perfected, not having to be perfect or else it's all a wash. And so so good. that simple thing was, yeah, it's so, 
it's just kind of a simple principle of like goals versus formations, but it changed intimacy for me because I no longer was ashamed and like groveling back to him when I didn't yeah. do the thing I said I was going to do. Cause yep. what type of marriage of the bride and the bridegroom is that? What type of marriage would that be in your home? If you're like groveling at your husband's feet, like I lost my temper with the kids, please, <laughs> please still accept me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. what? it welcomes me to come to Jesus and be like, just like I come to my husband, like, whoa, today was tough. Yeah. I don't want this. I don't love this. Please help me. Keep, keep teaching me, keep showing me, you know, and, um, it changed for me the process of intimacy because I realized he still welcomed me to draw near that yeah. he's near to me and that he was patient and, and gracious and still in the business of forming me. And mm -hmm. I think we have to shift our mind there, you know? Yeah. It yeah. helps. It helps in the day in and day out, you know, yes, for I sure. Love, I love that concept too of like the formative vantage point because it's so true. It's like, I think we can get so discouraged. We get through our year and it's like, oh, we didn't make it or we messed up or we get through our week or we get through our day. And I love that you talk about that and you mentioned it in your book of that ongoing sanctification. And I think yeah. it, invites, it invites us into a deeper grace. It is a process of intimacy. It's not, you know, I did it this day and missed it this day. It's right. ongoing sanctification that the Lord, the Holy Spirit invites us into. And so right. that's powerful. I think I need, I need to kind of have that, that perspective as well. And, you know, not just those, you know, quick goals at the start of the year or end of the year and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's, if we want to, if we look at like the parallel and fully known, obviously unpacks this further, for the listener, if this kind of seems strange to hear quickly, like, you know, given a synopsis of, but if we look at this parallel of physical intimacy and spiritual intimacy and see how they've even formed one another, then we can understand when we, when we live in that posture of like the goal, I'm going to achieve this. And then we get in that cycle of the shame because we didn't or the efforts to do better. It really makes evident how formed we've been by the thought of performative intimacy. Wow. Like, and, and I think about, you know, when I was dating and, you know, in these ungodly, unhealthy relationships, giving myself away, hoping a guy would stay like the physical, intimate relationships I was involved in before marriage before Jesus captivated my heart, really, all of them were so performative. It yeah. was like, let me give you, I don't want to go all the way, but let me do as much as I can with you for you to hopefully choose me. Am I enough? Am I sexy enough? Am I appealing enough? Do you want me? Will you stay? We won't even dive into how that was formed by, you know, a, a suicidal father who it felt like I wasn't enough for him to stay. All these things impact us so deeply, right? And it played out in my physical, sexual, you know, sinful relationships of maybe if I perform and I'm good enough for him, he'll want me. Mm -hmm. And that bled into and bleeds into our spiritual intimacy with God because we don't even realize how much we're on this cycle of shame and, you know, performance until we stop and are like, oh, whoa, okay. This isn't how you love. Yeah. This isn't the covenantal picture of the bridegroom and his bride 
the sacrificial love of one who doesn't expect me to put on a show. Man, when I got married, I did not know what I was doing physically. <laughs> We're still growing in intimacy. It's this constant learning process and embarrassing stuff and exciting stuff. And it's that beautiful, like learning one another. And yeah. I mean, many times, if you ask a couple who's been married 50 years, they're like, it just keeps getting better if you'll, if you'll humble yourself to it, you know? And yeah. I'm like, man, it's so true. I thought I was supposed to be this, like, knew everything about everything the moment we said I do. And that was quickly debunked when <laughs> a situation that could have ever occurred in the bedroom occurred. Like, so true. But because there's the safety of that covenant, I'm not afraid you're going to leave me because I'm learning. Yeah. And we have to know that in our walk with Yeshua, with Jesus, because the safety of this covenant, you're going to keep choosing me. I want to keep choosing you. And I'm going to grow in the trust that I'm not here to perform for you, but you are going to continue to love me as I'm growing and learning. And that is the clearest to me picture of true intimacy versus performative intimacy. That is so good. I love that. That was one of my favorite parts of, of your book where you talk about all these things, these ways that performance in, you know, relationships with men and things like that, that they're actually can in so many ways be brought into our faith. Performance, this way that we look at intimacy as, you know, in our paradigm of how we view the father. And right. so I thought that was, that was so powerful. And I don't think that I've heard what you wrote come out anywhere else. Like it's so... It's so profound and I think timely for our generation and for people who are weary and almost tired of even running to the world right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's such a timely word, I think, for our generation and in many generations to reconfigure our paradigm with the Lord of how we view intimacy mm -hmm. and in our quiet time with Him. And Mo, we could chat with you all day. <laughs> you have such a mantle on your life for influence and you've impacted my life so much with just your anointing and the way that you even articulate, you know, mm. different things in the kingdom. One of our, our last questions we wanted to dive into with you was just what are some practical tips for cultivating a life of intimacy for our listeners? You know, people who are coming back from the holidays, you know, trying to start their new year off right, get on the right track with the Lord and just inviting them into, you know, grace in that way, but also empowering them to really spend time with the Lord and be powerful to own that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to give the one biggest practical tip that really shifted things for me. And I might, some others might get sprinkled in, but this one always stands out to me. This changed my life and changed my walk with the Lord. He commands us to Sabbath to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And I hear a lot and I lived a lot of my own walk of faith, you know, expounding on the prophetic significance of that. And our rest is found in Jesus eternally. And so we don't actually really need to Sabbath or rest. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's why he instructs, hey, remember this. You need this. I rested in creation. I'm inviting you and giving you permission to rhythmically rest because it will be for your good and for your benefit. And yes, it is a spiritual truth, but 
the spiritual truths when they manifest physically bless our lives, right? It's what obedience to the word looks like. When we become doers and not just hearers, the passage says that we will be blessed. And so I, I, when I started to realize, okay, I don't have to run from this or think, you know, resting is weak uh, or that I'm not allowed or that I'm gonna miss out on something if I just disconnect for a day of the week, if I rhythmically give this to the Lord, I'm gonna implement this and see what he does. Mm -hmm. And that is something that when you implement, it has to be fought for in this culture. Our family had to say, okay, one day a week and occasionally it has to shift because of just circumstances of life, right? But we're gonna fight for, for us, we truly said Saturday, we're going to fight for this Saturday that we are resting in his presence, are putting away phones, are spending time as a family, are intentionally, you know, in his creation, are delighting in him, are worshiping as a family, are in the word. And this is truly going to be a, a rhythmic implementation. He blessed it from the moment we said yes to it. Wow. We've never, we, we've never missed out. Uh, we've never missed that work opportunity that if we had just slaved away still on Saturday, remember this worldly message, this Egypt message of striving, like we've never gone without when we've chosen to prioritize rest with him. Wow. And it's blessed our family. It's blessed our marriage. It's blessed our children. It's blessed each of us individually. And it's wild how hard your flesh will fight. I'm not allowed to do this. I surely I'm, you know, lazy it, all these lies. The enemy will be like, how dare you slow down? How dare you try to stop? And how dare you do it rhythmically? And I'm like, man, I never realized how ingrained it was in me of like, you're not enough if you, if you say no to those things and you keep your schedule clear. And we're talking one day a week here. So this was a very practical like implementation. And um, I have some people who, because of the nature of what they do, it's a Monday for them. You know, others, uh, it's, it's different days, it's different times and uh, that's okay. As I understand, that's okay. His grace is sufficient, but his invitation to be still is actually a command. Mm -hmm. And when I, when we embrace that, first off, it's a revelation of how much he really loves us and how good his word and his law really are. Because who gets that? Who in the world gets that permission to be still and to know he's going to cover everything for us in the meantime? The world wow. doesn't know that. They don't know that security. Mm -hmm. And it makes evident the trust and the faith in the security of the Lord's word when we actually embrace rest. And so it changes intimacy. It builds that time. A number one practical tip of, of, of growing in intimacy is the prioritization of fighting for that time. We prioritize the things we care most about. We fight to make sure certain things are scheduled on our calendar. We have to do the same when it comes to scheduling rest and stillness with him. Wow. And so 
that'd be like my biggest practical tip. And I just encourage everyone to go to the word, to look what it says. Isaiah 30, when he's speaking to rebellious Judah, this is so funny. We're talking about returning to the world. The Israelites have been out in the wilderness. They've just been freed from the slavery of Egypt. And yet as they're in the wilderness, having to walk by faith, they're wanting to return to rest, even in the shadow of Egypt's walls. How much does that reflect our hearts? I just, maybe... I want to believe for you, God, I have faith, but like, maybe I could just rest in the world's ways. Like I, maybe I could just be in the shadow of what the world says will, you know, provide or sustain or satisfy me. And he says, you know what? Only in returning to me and resting in me, will you be saved? Wow. But he's speaking to rebellious Judah. And he said, only in returning to me, which other versions would say only in repentance, so turning away from your sin back to his heart and rest, resting in him, will we be saved? And he goes on in Isaiah 30 to say, in this, I'll give you my Holy Spirit who will lead you in the way that you should go, who will tell you to the right, to the left. And I'm like, dang, how much do we miss the intimacy with the spirit leading us when we forsake resting with him because we think we're not allowed? Sorry, word vomit. I get so passionate about Sabbath because it changed our life to Sabbath as a family. And it's a command that is not burdensome. It's actually for our freedom to obey. And it's so beautiful. It's a game changer. That is so powerful. And I love what you said. Our flesh fights so much. To even oh my goodness. Our, yes. <laughs> just even going into like giving ourselves permission, just the mental battle is 75% of it to enter into rest. Like, Totally. Fights the entire weekend. If we, you know, if somebody tries to rest, I think it's so true. And so that is powerful, though. That yeah. is such a powerful, powerful charge. And I know, even listening to you say that, I'm like, wow, this is so <laughs> prophetic. Even just for me, my my husband. I don't know if you've heard of this book, but my husband just finished a book called The Ruthless elimination of hurry and yeah, it's John Mark Comer. I yes. Mm -hmm. And he literally, I've never seen him read a book so fast, but he, I mean, <laughs> our, our lives are, you know, this last year I said, Oh my gosh, I feel like I've been on a hamster wheel all year long. And it was the best year of our lives, but it was crazy. We got married and my husband's a musician and travels all over the place. And we were gone probably 90% of the year. And I said, he said, Oh my gosh, I can't stop reading this book because we're missing it. Like we're not giving ourselves a day of rest. And he said, I want us this year. We're going to implement a Sabbath day. We're not going to touch our phones. We're going to spend quality time as a family. We're just going to be together. And so even just hearing you say that it's like what that can cultivate. It's, it's just so powerful because what that can cultivate in our families is, you know, not only just this understanding of having intimacy with the Lord, but then also reconnecting with our families and teaching our kids, like all these little ones that are looking up to us, like teaching our kids, how important it is to not get caught up in the hamster wheel of life, but to really stop and spend time with the Lord and just be still and to really get to know him. So yeah. I really appreciate your wisdom. Yeah, on that. totally. Yeah. I would, I would word vomit real quick. <laughs> One more thing too. And that the burden of that, I, as I was saying just a minute ago, we literally just left a youth camp, which I, I don't do youth events as often anymore. I've moved into, you know, different spaces of ministry, but it was refreshing and also like so sobering to be back with kids this weekend because the degree of anxiety of 
expectation that they carry of stress. Of, I'm like, I want to yell from a rooftop. The implementation of rest and the expression of being a peaceful, restful, intimate follower of Christ, that burden truly lands on the parents. Because mm-hmm. right now, the lack of parental exercising of these things is unknowingly putting a yoke on children in which they're already learning these habits of ceaseless living that is crushing them. And this is like hard to say, because a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I'm, I'm testifying from growing up in a family where my sports and my soccer ruled our family. I can look back and see how that hurt my sister how that didn't allow us meals around the table oftentimes as a family, how that owned. It was idol worship and it owned every weekend, many times missing church, not prioritizing, gathering with the fellowship because we had a tournament here or this there. That's just one example of sports, but we have to, as adults, assess and be brave enough to say, okay, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we are going to prioritize rest and Sabbath. And that may mean that we can't do this league or this sport or this activity or this thing that's going to have us sucked into every Saturday committed every Sunday out of church. Like I don't, I struggle to understand why adults are not able to just say, I'm going to do things differently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, wow. We're, we're going to say no to that because yeah. there are things that matter more than that. Yeah. And I just, I see so many families yoked by this too, and just tens of thousands of dollars being poured into things and then eternal, eternally valuable things being missed and it's straining families. And I'm like, we can step away from our culture. You know, we don't have to partake in the slavery of Egypt. We're, we have permission to live differently, but it does take the responsibility of the parents saying, this yoke I'm getting crushed by will not be inherited by my children. Mm. This is going to, the bloodline of Jesus is going to be drawn in the sand here and I'm going to be healed and my family is going to be healed, but it takes hard decisions, you know, and it takes prayerful time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But if we want better intimacy and we want intimacy with the Lord for our children, sometimes we actually just have to make a change. And so I guess that's another practical that kind of comes to the surface because kids are, kids are hurting more than they'd lead on because they don't even know how to verbalize it. Right. But they're carrying yokes in this culture that the people of God are meant to be set apart from and are struggling to be. Wow. No, that's so true. That is so powerful. That is, I, that is such a timely word for, for families, for marriages, for for everyone right now. I know I resonate with so much of that, you know, growing up in a sports family. My pleasure. I hope I didn't scare all of the listeners away. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, we, you we definitely it. could listen to you all day. You're, <laughs> you have so much wisdom and you're so powerful. And I think our heart, you know, for everybody listening, whatever resonated with you with what Mo shared, listen, take some notes, write it down, implement this into your lifestyle. I know it was powerful for Brittany and I just to hear everything that Absolutely. You know, the Lord has invited you into in your family and in your marriage. And, and for everybody listening who, who haven't gotten a copy of Mo's new book, 
fully known. Um, grab a copy. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's phenomenal and an amazing writer. I absolutely love reading your books because you just feel like you're on this joy ride going into the deeper places of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope it blesses all who pick up the pages and I hope they buckle their pants up for a deep dive because that one is a meaty, <laughs> fully known is truly a meaty deep dive, but it really was imparted by the spirit of God. And I, I, I hope those in the body will, will press into it. It, it changed me and I'm glad it found its way onto paper. Thank you guys. We hope y'all loved today's episode with Mo. Mo is so powerful. As we said, grab a copy of her new book, Fully Known. It is so powerful. And stay tuned for all of our upcoming episodes in this series. Grab a friend, Life is Better Shared Together, and swipe up so you don't miss an episode of Rising Radiant. Thanks for listening to this series. We'll catch y'all next time. Love y'all.